0: Peace to you. In the name of God, our Father, amen. You know, it's interesting as we conclude this sermon series that we've been doing on a love that changes everything. You know, the video was awesome today. It just talks about because of Jesus, my life is different. You know, it's an interesting discussion when you start talking about Jesus with people, especially out there in the world. You can share a lot of the same things that he offers hope and forgiveness. He offers strength and direction that he that he covers over and and comforts us when we're lonely or struggling, that he is a help to those who seek it. You can share all these things with the world and they just hear it as words. They just hear it as wishful thinking. There's a disconnect because they don't believe that Jesus has power. And even sometimes on Sunday morning, you know, I, I imagine you come and you listen to sermons and you think, wow, that would be neat if that would just be true, if that would just be part of my life, if I would just experience what pastor was talking about today the reality is Jesus is powerful and loving and on your side and for your good and looking out for you and caring for you and offering you all these amazing blessings but we receive them through trusting his promises and his words and when we trust those words it is transformational it makes a difference it was just doing a Bible study this Wednesday and one of the things was don't just be hearers of the word only, right? But be doers of the word. The biggest thing you got to do is to trust and believe it and that trust and belief then shows itself by the way you live. It's an interesting thing. You know, today we're going to kind of conclude this series by taking a look at a man who was radically changed by Jesus. And As we take a look at this story, as we take a look at the man, this, the life of this man, it's going to help you, or maybe better help you, understand how God changes you in your life. And so I'll begin a story. It's, it's one that if you were in Bible study this week, in this 40 Days in the Word, you, you will recognize. One day Jesus was teaching in a home, and they had come from every village, even as far as away as Jerusalem, to be there. In other words, there was a standing room only in this little place. This place was packed. It was a little house. and Everybody was crammed into it. Why? Because they wanted to hear Jesus talk. Think about that excitement versus sometimes the excitement of coming to church in the morning, right? I mean, just think about it. They're crammed into the house. They walked miles to get to this place to hear Jesus. And sometimes our alarm goes off in the morning. We're like, I don't know. It'd be rough to get to church this morning. It might be raining. You know, I don't know. You know, we're in Phoenix. So this place is packed. People were excited. They were, they were ready to hear Jesus' words. They were ready to see some healing. They were ready to see some transformation. Some men arrived carrying a, para, a paraplegic man on a stretcher, and they looked for a way to get into the house to set him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof. These guys are pretty innovative, pretty resourceful, pretty gutsy in some ways, as you'll see. They went up to the roof, and they removed some of the tile of this guy's house. And they let him down in the middle of everyone, right in front of Jesus. Now, the man we're going to take a look at today was, was literally paralyzed, physically paralyzed. He could not move. But there were things that Jesus said to this man that are the same three things, right, that he says to you and I when we come to him honestly and say, Jesus, we need you to change us. We want to be different. And that can look like a lot of different things. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better man or woman, depending I need help overcoming this struggle that I keep struggling with that's still there, still today, even after I've been struggling the last 10, 15, 20 years with it. And it's having negative consequences. I see that. I just, I can't stop. I can't find a new direction. Maybe it's Madden football. I don't know. I'm just saying, right? But we struggle with it. It looks like a lot of different things. And we get to this place where we're just kind of paralyzed to move forward, paralyzed in being able to help ourselves move forward we realize that we need something more, a greater power, something to assist us, something to make that transformation. And so this is good news to you today. You know, if you're feeling a little frustrated in your life about the inability to change some things in your life, then you've come to the right place today. Because this is a place where lives are changed, where Jesus is and can make a difference and will make a difference if you trust him. And so if you were specifically to say to Jesus, God, I want you to change me in my life. I need help here. I want to be different here. I want you to just imagine for a second, what is it that you imagine Jesus would do to you? How do you see him changing you? What is the thing that makes the difference? You know, as you go to the story, Jesus does three things to this guy that I think are the same three things that he does to us when we come to him. And one of the first things he does when we come to him and say, God, I want to be different, I want to be changed, is he does this. He will ease your fears. Why? Because it's our fear that tends to paralyze us from positive action. It's our fear that tends to paralyze us from getting better or overcoming. Again, I want you to imagine the scene. This place is just packed. Standing room only, it's crowded. All of a sudden, he hears a noise above his head. (laughs) He starts seeing a little air in the house, on the roof. He's thinking, this guy's got a leak. But all of a sudden, he looks up. The the roofs in Palestine were flat. He starts seeing some stuff crumble down on his head and all around him. The dust is everywhere. Pretty soon, the tiles are being removed, and there's a gaping hole in the roof right above his head. And through the haze, he sees four guys look in. Oh, there he is, you know? And they start lowering a guy in a stretcher right in the middle of a sermon, right before everybody who's sitting there. They let him write down in the presence of Jesus, interrupting everything and everybody. Now I want you to think just quickly. Think, part of the, the forty days in the word, one of the things it does is says try to picture yourself into the situation. So it's Sunday morning, okay, you're all here trying to listen to pastor. Think of the biggest distractions you've ever had in church. Uh, Pamela was telling me this week they <laughs> we had a little mistake going on. It, it was a foot off the the first thing that would. So now we have a new pile of dirt and they're going to work on it. Nice thing, it doesn't cost us anything but time. But they're fixing that. But they had a jackhammer getting out the former footings and it was so loud and she was like it was amazing though many kids got to sleep in the middle of that it was crazy so imagine the biggest distraction you could possibly have to hearing what it is we've had a lot we've had the air conditioner go out we've had pastor's microphone go out we've had all sorts of things that have happened in this place imagine somebody burrowing through the ceiling though and now you have dust all over the place you know you're thinking that's just rude i don't understand what they're doing who's going to pay for that all these things that are running through your mind But now I want you to think, okay, not just of being one of the people in the place. I want you to think about, what if you were the paralyzed man being lowered on the stretcher? I want you to think about that. What's going through your mind, right? I think one of the things is you're kind of embarrassed, right? Being lowered in a stretcher front of you know everybody people are looking at you i can't believe he's doing that you know all this stuff going on you're a little embarrassed about what's going on you probably feel a little fearful a little anxious right have a little anxiety what is jesus going to do or say what's the owner of the house going to do or say what are the people going to say i think this kind of gives us a picture of how desperate this guy was though to be changed to be different to be made whole He also had amazing friends, and he allowed his friends to lower him from this roof into this room, knowing that somebody's going to have to pay for it, right? And publicly letting him down in front of all these people, stopping Jesus mid sentence in the middle of his sermon. It's hard to talk over that. Everybody would be looking. All because he wanted to be changed. Again, that's how desperate this guy was. And Jesus looks at him and he doesn't say, hey, excuse me, excuse me, I'm busy. You're interrupting my biggest point here. Everybody needs, okay, he didn't do a dance like pastor does when the phones go off. I mean, he didn't do anything to embarrass the guy or draw attention to him. Notice what he says in Matthew 9, verse two. He says, they brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed and lying on a mat. And then Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged young man. So Jesus sees this guy being lowered down, knowing that he's freaking out, he's worried, he's anxious, he's stressed out, he knows he's taking a big risk. And Jesus says, take heart, cheer up, don't give up, don't be afraid, it's okay. It's the first thing that Jesus says to the guy. And he does it to ease this man's fears. Jesus cared about how he felt. He knew that this guy was taking a risk to see him. He knew that this guy had faith, but he knew he was also concerned about the ramifications of his actions. (laughs) And so he went out of his way to ease his fear so that he could hear what Jesus had to say to him. So here's the truth. Jesus cares about how you feel too. Right? If you're discouraged this morning, he cares about your discouragement today. If you feel lonely this morning, he cares about the loneliness that you're experiencing. If you're worried or frightened or insecure or anxious about the future, he, he cares about all those things. And so why is Jesus' first response to us seemingly always to ease our fears? I mean, you look through Scripture, why are there 365 times in the Bible that Jesus says fear not? Coincidence? One for every day? I don't think so. Because he knows we need to hear it. He says, don't be afraid. It's okay. Be encouraged. Why? Why does Jesus ease our fears before anything else? And the reason is simply this, because we are riddled with fears in our life. It's one of the realities of life. We experience these fears. If you want to call them worries, that's fine. But we all have fears about what's going on. Think about it. What are you worried about this morning? Is it your health, your future, your finances, your relationships, your children, your past, your future. I went up to a guy at the swim meet yesterday and I hadn't talked to him in a while and I knew he'd been struggling before and I said, How are you doing? He said, Everything's going great, but the finances. We've got to figure out a way to get a hold of the finances. And it wasn't just a worry, it was a fear about what tomorrow looks like if they can't get a hold of the finances. He was stressed beyond belief. You'll talk to somebody else, everything's going great but my health. Everything's going great but the kids. Everything's going great but the job and you name it. On and on it goes. I want you to understand that Jesus understands all your fears. And he says, let me ease your fears today. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, verse 25, anxiety in your heart weighs you down. And we experience that. But an encouraging word cheers you up. And that's exactly what Jesus starts with here. He gives them an encouraging word. So let me give you an encouraging word here today. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you went through this last week or maybe faced last week. But I do know this that God does know and that God does care. And He can help you. And one of His first words to you today is simply this Don't be afraid. I can handle it. I am here for you. So what should you do with your anxieties? What should you do with your fears? You should give them to Jesus. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. He cares. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second. We either believe that or we don't, right? If we believe it, it can transform the way we deal with our problems, if we can believe that He is working all things for the good of those who love Him, it can transform our perspective on anything that we're struggling with. If we can see that He's on our side and not out to get us, we run, we run to Him for strength and support and comfort instead of away from Him because things aren't going our way. Have you ever dealt with something big? Death of a loved one? Some major crisis in your life? And instead of running to Jesus, He got mad at Him? He started going like this away from Him? Is that harder? Yeah, because you're doing it all by yourself. And now you got to rage at God when it isn't God who's doing it. Run to him to help you get through whatever struggle it is you're going through in life. Then he goes on, and this is the second thing he would do for you. He would eliminate your guilt. Notice the second thing Jesus says to the paralyzed man in Luke 50 or Luke 5, verse 20. It says this Then Jesus said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, if, you've read, if, you're, if you remember this story, it's kind of a strange thing. These guys are lowering the guy in a, in a mat because the guy is paralyzed right in front of Jesus because they want healing, right? And so what does Jesus say? Does he say, you're healed? No, he says, your sins are forgiven. What's going on? I mean, this man is clearly is more interested in his external problems at the moment which is typical of human behavior. We always care more about the problems going on around us or problems in our bodies than we do the problems of our own soul, right? But Jesus takes a look beneath the surface. He looks beneath the symptoms, and he always deals with the real issue first. You say, this guy is paralyzed. And Jesus would say yes in more ways than you'd like to imagine. See, you need to know this. When Jesus works in your life, he always works on your heart first. That's the thing that he cares about most, and he looks at this man who was physically paralyzed, but he knew that there was something hidden inside that he needed to deal with first, and so he said, your sins are forgiven. I can't tell you how important this is. When you come to God with these crises moments in your life, and you're looking for him for help, for support, for direction, for answered prayer even, and God says, man, I see what you're praying about, and I know why you're praying about it, but I'm going to say no to that because i got something better. When he does that, we freak out. Because we were trusting him for this, and he says he's got something better. Imagine when you're a kid, you come to dad and say, Dad, can I drive? Dad says, no, you're 10. You know, he's got something better. Later on, he'll, he'll answer something. But we get all focused on this, the unanswered prayer. And we do that because we forget what's the most important. Let's say you were coming to God to heal a loved one person is passing before your eyes maybe it's an out of order passing somebody's passing it's a kid or or your mom's way too young or whatever it is and you've prayed God heal her and God says no did God not answer the prayer no he's he's taken your mom or your kid to the greatest place ever it is not Disneyland it's heaven right right he's taken her to eternity he's given her her reward he's he's given her the prize that we all work for in life and for eternity she's going to be good we forget this is the goal, right? And we get mad because he didn't heal or he didn't fix the problem or he didn't solve the solution. But God says, I need your heart to be right so you spend eternity with me. Not this blip on the screen, but eternity with me. He always cares about the heart, most because he wants to spend eternity, not just the next few decades with you, but eternity with you. And so this, is, this man's paralyzed by, by his past like many of us are today. And, you know, you can't get on with the future because you're stuck in the past, either by guilt over things that you've done to other people or resentment over things that they've done to you. You're stuck in the past and you can't get on with the present. That's what guilt does. It keeps us in the past, dealing with stuff in the past. And so Jesus comes and he deals with the real issues first. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And you know what's interesting is that most of the world is dying to hear those words. Why? Because everybody needs to hear those words, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Why? Because we've all blown it. We've all messed up. we all made mistakes. None of us is perfect. And so we all need those words, I forgive you. See, guilt is an incredibly paralyzing emotion. It's probably the worst one of all of them. It paralyzes us. It robs us of our energy, our strength, our joy. It destroys relationships because we're still responding to past ones while we're in our current ones. There's a reason why the second marriage and the third marriage and the fourth marriage are equally uh, or are, are increasingly likely to get divorced because the second marriage, you're still working on stuff from the first one, and you're bringing in that into the second one. Instead of just dealing with these ones, you're dealing with this one and this one. The third one, you're dealing with these ones and these ones and these ones, and it just continues to pile up until you deal with the past. We've all made mistakes. It harms our body, too, studies, according to studies. Our bodies weren't meant to carry a load of guilt. According to this, this one study, 50% of the people in hospital beds right now are there because of stress-related illnesses, primarily for unresolved guilt or anger now, obviously, it's not saying that, that, that all suffering is a result of guilt, but, but a lot of it is, apparently. You say, well, should a follower of Jesus ever feel guilty then, if guilt isn't a good thing? And my answer is yes, absolutely, for about 10 seconds. That is holy guilt, okay? Because that's about how long it takes you to realize that you blew it, right? To confess it to God, to admit to God, saying, God, I blew it, I'm wrong, please forgive me. It should take about 10 seconds of holy guilt driving us to our knees so we say, God, I'm so sorry, forgive me. And then that's it, Jesus forgives us. See, the reality is that God doesn't want us to carry around a load of guilt all the time. There's way more people that don't receive that, that forgiveness of God that go and confess to him and then keep beating themselves up afterwards. They won't receive God's forgiveness even after they've asked for it. He doesn't want us carrying this load of guilt. That's why he sent us Jesus. Some people actually think that the more guilt you carry, the more spiritual spiritual you are. I was talking to a friend. They said, yeah, that's good Catholic guilt right there. You know, if you're guilty, you're you're holy. But no, it, it just makes you more miserable. Jesus Christ came to relieve your guilt, to ease your fears. That's what the cross is all about, to give you freedom and forgiveness and hope. So here's the truth. All of us have blown it. We're all imperfect. I don't measure up to my own standards, much less God's. And yet God loved me so much that he sent us Jesus to die in our place so that he could say to each one of us, I forgive you. I love you, my child. And when we grasp that, when we grasp that one of the ways that he actually changes us is that he sets us free from guilt. There's only one logical, rational response. When we understand that God's forgiveness is complete and free and instant, there's only one logical response and it's utter amazement utter amazement and gratitude that God would do that much for us. And when I think about my life, when I think about myself, I'm always amazed that God would forgive me, would forgive my heart, would forgive my actions from the past, would forgive me. I'm, I'm blown away by it, which is why I love the song Amazing Grace so much. You know, and the more you know, the more and more guilty you are because there's more sins that you're, where, that you're doing, you know. And yet God continues to come to me and says, probably, you idiot, but then he says, I love you, my child, right? Because he cares. And so if I want to be a different person. If I want to change, he'll first ease our fears, and then he'll, he'll take away, eliminate our guilt. And then he does a third thing that really starts to uh, incorporate real change in our life, and it's this. He will enable you to do what seems impossible, I want you to notice the third thing that Jesus says to the paralyzed man in Mark 2, verse 10. He says, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man instead and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go home. You're healed. And then the man jumped up, took the mat, pushed his way through the stunned onlookers, and they all praised God. We've never seen anything like this before, they exclaimed. Well, I guess not, you know? I mean, think about this. Again, pretend you're the guy on the mat. Jesus asked this guy to do something, that he had been unable to do his entire life. Jesus could have asked him to do a whole assortment of different things, but he asked him to do the one thing that he had never been able to do his entire life. This man was an invalid. For his entire life, he'd been a shut and He had been carried everywhere he had ever been in his entire life. There were no wheelchairs in those days. And so everywhere this man had been, somebody had carried him there. And Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to stand up and take your mat and get out of here. You're healed. I mean, why would Jesus do that? Ask him to do the impossible. Ask him to do something he clearly could not do. And the answer is that he, he wants to stretch his faith. I want you to think about that, too, just for a second. God wants us to grow in our trust for him. Why? Because we'll experience more blessing and more reward, more of all his promises. If you just trust me, you can move mountains, he says. So he continues to try to grow us in our faith. And so he tests us. Who do you love most? And he tests us. You see, faith is not something you believe. Faith is something that you do. Faith is not something you think about. Faith is something that you act on. Faith is not an opinion or a conviction or a philosophy. Faith is an activity. It's obeying God and doing what God says to do, even when it seems impossible. Be more than just a hearer, God says. Be a doer of his word. So I ask you, What is it that God is asking you to do today that looks impossible in your life? Because it very well may be a test. Are you going to believe me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to place your faith in me? Do you love me the most? I mean, you have a lot of areas in your life probably that you'd like to change. And these are areas under your control, but you've decided it's too hard or it's impossible or it will never happen. I'm I'm not talking about... Things that are out of your control. For example, no matter how much you pray, you're never going to grow five feet, right? I mean, you're, just, you're not going to be ten-footer, probably. No matter, no matter what you believe, God's not going to grow you another five feet. I mean, that's in God's control. If he wants to do it, he'll do it. And then you can be like some of the guys in the Bible that we read about. But the reality is that it's not in your control. Only God can grow you, right? But there are many things in your life that are under your control that you've just decided are too hard that you'll never be able to do it, that it's humanly impossible, that you've just given up on. And so you say things like this. This is how you know if you're doing it. I'll never be able to break that habit. I'll never be able to recover from this failure. I'll never be able to start over. I'll never be able to love again. I'll never be able to find someone I can have a relationship with. I'll never be able to be different. I'll never be able to forgive that person who hurt me. And if you're saying those things, you're right because you're emotionally paralyzed and that's why you need Jesus. Jesus said this. He says without God it is utterly impossible. But with God everything is possible. And so know that your greatest need for life is not for relief from your problems. Your greatest need is to see how big your God really is. To understand his greatness and his love and his majesty and his forgiveness. Because the more you understand how big and how great and how awesome and how loving God is, the smaller your problems seem to shrink in comparison. Again, think of this this loved one you had been praying for. God did not heal. But then God took that defeat and he made it victory. He brought her to heaven. He took and gave her 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 eternal prize. There's nothing God can't do. And so let me ask you, what change in your life right now seems impossible? Are you in a relationship that is dying before your eyes and you can't stop it? Do you feel powerless, hopeless, helpless? Are you consumed with some painful memories that you cannot forgive or forget? Are you stuck in a habit that you've tried many, many times to to overcome, but you just can't? Then know that Jesus Christ specializes in those situations, for he is a God of the possible. And if you will just trust him, know that you have a God that can do anything. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.